Okay. Um, this is the final Sunday of the month, and what we do is uh, kind of uh, arrange the lesson around our yearly theme. Um, so, from Philippians chapter 2, uh, verse 15. Uh, shine as lights of the world. Uh, that's a theme uh, this month, and so I, I was I was thinking about that a little bit, and um, I was thinking how similar uh, we are to the moon. Just bear with me a little bit there. Basically, the moon is devoid of light. Uh, it's dormant, doesn't have any, doesn't radiate any kind of light. And we're basically devoid of light, okay? We don't radiate light on our own. Um, the moon shines because it reflects the light of the sun, and I'm told that it reflects about three to 12% of the sun, sun's light that hits it. It doesn't reflect all of the sun's light. and and. and we reflect God's light. And because we're flawed people, we're flawed human beings, I don't think we reflect all the light that God has to offer us. Uh, so, kind of like it's a, it's a home phone. We're, we're similar to the sun. And my point is that if we're going to shine as lights in the world, we can't do that on our own. It's not our light that's shining like the moon's light. It's not its own. It's the sun's light. We're not, we don't generate our own light. We reflect what God gives us. We reflect what we allow God to give us through our life and through how we, how we live. Um, I chose James chapter 4, and, and basically we're going to stay in this text. We, there's a couple other verses that I might, I might go to, but pretty much in a loose manner, we're going we're gonna to stay in uh, James 4, the first 10 verses here, and kind of uh, talk about how we can better be lights of the world. Um, when I was reading these first 10 verses, I mean, this is something we've read over and over again, if you're a Christian people in the book of James. But if you really, really read it, when I was reading it over this week, a couple of things really jumped out at me. The first thing, we're flawed people, what James says, that we're flawed people. Why are we flawed people? Because we allow ourselves to get tangled up in all kinds of negativity. Okay? Um, and in these first, the, the whole letter that James writes addresses these, but in these, these first few verses here in chapter 4, he really gets in and addresses these character flaws that we have as people. Now James says the reason that why we quarrel and fight amongst ourselves is because of the passions that rage within us. That's in verse 1. And these conflicts originate because of the end of pursuit and personal gratification. Um, we're at war. There's a war raging inside us. 
Um, think about uh, a militia fighting people. Now think about an uncontrolled militia that's raging inside us. This is what James is describing here. And he also uses strong accusatory language, which really jumped out at me too when I, when I was reading this. He uses words like fighting, we fight among ourselves, we quarrel among ourselves, we murder. And I had to stop and think about that. Fighting, quarreling, and then he says, it says murder. Um, so, what does he mean by murder? And I was thinking, well, he's, he's talking in the spiritual. So, he could be talking about actual physical murder. Something like that could have been going on. But I'm thinking he's talking more about spiritual murder. And if you think about, you know, you read Matthew chapter 5, if you want to turn there. Uh, chapter 5, starting in verse 21. This is Jesus. This is after he uh, was delivering the Sermon on the Mount. And he said, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder. And whoever murders is liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults will be liable to the council. And whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. So Jesus is saying here, murder, like all sin, begins in the heart. It begins with our conscience. I don't think we just wake up and think, oh, well, let's kill somebody today. It's something that starts with anger or resentment. And then through time, if we don't keep it in check, it builds up. And these seeds of anger and resentment can be petty, start with petty things. It usually doesn't start with some grandiose thing where I mean, wars have been started over very, very petty, petty issues, and they've been allowed to fester. And then all of a sudden, the killing starts. Okay, And what Jesus is saying here is, when you even think about harming someone, when you even think about doing wrong to someone else in a negative fashion, you're angry at that person, and it's unchecked, that's spiritual murder. And I'm thinking probably that's what James is talking about here when he, when he says, you fight, you quarrel, murder. Okay? In verse 22 there in Matthew, it says, whoever insults will be liable to the council, and whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. When I was a kid, you know, the word fool just meant someone who was dumb or maybe ignorant, kind of slow. And I remember one time I called my brother, my brother a fool. Uh, and my aunt said, no, don't ever call, don't ever call your brother a fool. The scripture says, you know, don't ever do that. And I said, well, what's the big deal? I mean, it's just another word. But actually fool or raka in some translations means judging someone as being guilty, being ungodly, 
you're calling that person ungodly. You're judging that person's heart. And we don't want to do that. So I just wanted to point that out. Um, now, in James, when, when he talks about quarreling in the discourse, he's talking about angry disputes without weapons. So we haven't got to the point where we're at physical war yet, okay? But you're just angry and fighting without weapons. And why do we fight? Well, he says because there's a war inside of us. We have this thing going on raging inside of us and exists. We have selfish ambitions and we have divided loyalties. Um, in verse 4 of James 4, he calls this enmity with God or hostility or animosity towards God. So we're raging and quarreling and fighting and we have enmity towards each other. Really, we have this enmity with God. He says when we ask things of God, we don't get to. It's because we ask with the wrong motives. We don't receive because we ask to gratify our passions, really. We ask to fulfill our self-interests. We ask for the wrong reasons. Now, I want to discuss two things here that really stand out to me that kind of go hand in hand with uh, this war that we have towards each other, this spiritual kind of thing, animosity that, that, that we can sometimes have towards each other. Um, jealousy and envy. Okay. Now, what's the difference between jealousy and envy? Okay. I've thought about that. Um, let's start with envy. Envy desi desires to deprive another of what he has. Jealousy desires to have the same or the same sort of thing for itself. They're different. They can be the same. On the other hand, they're just two distinct, different things. Okay, Envy is the feeling of displeasure produced by witnessing or hearing of the advantage or the prosperity of others. When you're envious of someone, because of what they have. Okay. When you think about envy and you think about examples in the scripture, envy was the motivation for Cain killing Abel. He was envious of his brother's relationship with God. Okay. Envy was the motivation for King Saul seeking to kill David. Now, there was some jealousy involved here, too, but basically Saul was envious of the relationship that David had with God, that God favored David in terms of him being king. And envy was the motivation uh, behind Jesus being handed over to the state for execution. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law 
were envious that Jesus was so knowledgeable. He had answers to all their questions. He could rebut all their arguments. The people gravitated toward Jesus. They were envious of that. There's another word too, covetousness. Covetousness to me is envy taken to the nth degree. Covetousness is a desire inordinately and without regard to the right of others, an excessive desire to have or obtain regardless. You want something, it doesn't matter. I might go to any length to get what I want. I'm envious of what you have. I'm going to go to any length. I don't care. An example of that would be David. Now, David lusted after Bathsheba, but he's also covetous of her. He wanted her regardless, and you see what happened there. But in 1 Corinthians 13, it teaches love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy. Now, jealousy occurs when something we already possess is threatened by a third party. See, it's a little bit different. Okay? When we already have something, and it might be a relationship, more, more likely than not, it's a relationship between two people. And a third person intervenes and threatens that relationship and we become jealous, okay? To be jealous is to be intolerant of any kind of rivalry, okay? Now, jealousy of Jesus was laced in the relationship with the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, the relationship that they had with him. They were envious of him, but they were also jealous of him as well. They were, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, they felt that they were God's mouthpiece, that they were God's instrument, that they spoke to the people for God. Okay? They had this relationship with God. And Jesus comes along, and all that shattered. Okay? He takes their place in that regard. And they were jealous of him. They were envious, but they were also jealous of him as well. Now, I'm going to make a qualification here. There's human jealousy, and God can be jealous too. It mentions this in verse 5 of James 4. Okay? But there's human jealousy, and when human jealousy festers, it can man- and it manifests itself in an ungodly way, it can turn negative. Okay? Now, I'm, I'm, it's my opinion that not all jealousy is bad, okay? It can turn bad, it can turn ugly, but not all jealousy is bad. Um, envy and human jealousy often travel together, as you can see here. And like I said, I make a qualification for human jealousy because it's distinct from godly 
jealousy. Now, godly jealousy here is talked about in verse 5 of James 4. It says here, or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says, he, God, yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us. So there's such a thing as godly jealousy. So if we're not to be jealous, and God is jealous, it's a, it's a trait that God has, there, ha there has to be a difference. Our jealousy, or human jealousy, is jealousy out of control, okay? It has improper mo motives behind it, and it's focused on self. When we're jealous, more, most all the time, we're concerned with ourself, okay? Now, when I say it can be not all jealousy is bad, okay? If you're in a relationship with someone, say a, a marriage relationship, and someone comes and threatens that relationship, I, I don't think that, that jealousy is bad unless it starts to get out of control and you start to feel uh, about yourself a lot. You start to, to get selfish about it and uh, let it get out of control. Okay. Um, godly jealousy is, is not the same thing. Okay. We have that relationship with God. It's us, it's God. And then there is that third party that I talked about that, that wants to threaten that relationship. And that third party is us, us being deceived by sin. Okay? It's us being deceived by sin um, and compromised by sin. And it ruins our relationship with God. And God is jealous over that. He wants us. He wants his spirit to dwell in us and to grow inside us. And when we're compromised by sin, that can't happen. So that's, to me, that, that's, that's what uh, godly jealousy is. He wants the best for us. It's not a selfish thing. Our jealousy is kind of like a, can turn very selfish. But God's jealousy is because he wants the best for us. He wants to give us that agape love, that, that love without, you know, boundaries that he has for us. He wants the best for us. Now, we're talking about shining as lights in the world. If we're caught up in quarrels with our fellow human beings, and I mean, as Christians, we can be very copacetic here in the assembly. We can get along with each other. But if we go out into the world and we have problems out there dealing with people, we have problems out there uh, being godly 
towards the ungodly. And, I, and I've kind of known people like that, that when they get out in the world, it's not like the church, and they feel it should be like the church, and people should be like that, and they have a problem with that, and they can't relate, really, with people in the world. And that's not the way it should be, okay? As Paul says, you know, I, I'm not here to judge the world. If, I mean, if we were, and if we were to be away from people, we'd have to be away from everything. We'd have to be dead, really, in order to get away from that, okay? But if we're gonna be true lights, and shine, okay? We have to overcome the, the things that, that, that James here describes, that enmity that we have with other people that can creep in. It's not, I mean, it, it's, not, it's not all the time that it's something that's blaring. It's not all the time that we have like a, someone out maybe insults us or, or does something really bad to us and we react to that. Sometimes when we have enmity with other people, it's like a slow, insidious thing. It, it, it kind of creeps up over time, and before we know it, we're there, okay? So we have to try, we have to overcome these things, we have to pray, we have to realize that people are watching us every day, okay? People, we're influencing people, whether we know it or not, or whether we like it or not, every day, okay, in our interactions. With, with each other. Um, so, if we want to be lights, we have to remember this, we have to be aware of this, and uh, we have to live life accordingly. Now, just one more scripture, and, and I'm done. Uh, I think everything that I've said about what we need to be and why we need to be that way, I think is, is best expressed I mean, I, I like this psalm. It's Psalm 133. You can turn to it if you like to. Um, I'm reading from a more modern translation, but this kind of, to me, expresses uh, what God wants for us. It says how good and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters live together in peace. It is like the finest oils poured on the beard on the head, sweet-smelling oils flowing down to cover the beard, flowing down the beard of Aaron, flowing down the collar of his robe. It is like the gentle rain on Mount Hermon that falls on the hills of Zion. Yes, from this place, the Lord bestows his blessing even life evermore.